0: Good morning. good morning. Anybody uh, like being happy? All right, there's, a, there's except for the Scrooge up here. It's like, no, get your happiness away from me. I prefer to be sullen and unfriendly. Now, we like, right, we like that. Like, we, that's a good word. When we, the happiness, it's like, if you could make a picture of happiness, it'd be like sunshine and lollipops and, and ponies, and you know, like it'd just be good things. And like Care Bears were happy, weren't they? I don't know, I didn't watch Care Bears, but like that, like it's a good word. We like happy, we want to be happy. I mean, we, you know, it's, it's a positive thing, but what does it mean? Like, what's it mean? What's it mean to be happy? What's happiness mean? Well, it's like, I, you know, uh, feeling good about something, or it's like warm feelings about it's like, well, yeah, I mean, warm feelings could mean you're car has heated seats. I mean, I like, what does it mean to be happy? You know, I don't know. It's a, it's a thing that we like, and it's like, well, I know it when I see it or when I feel it, but I, I don't, you know, it's hard to define. And so what have some notable poets of our generation said about happiness? Uh, well, Pharrell, for one, describes happiness this way. He says says, it, it may seem crazy what I am about to say. Sunshine, she's here. You can take a break. I'm a hot air balloon that could go to space with the air like I don't care, baby, by the way. Okay, because I'm happy, clap along if you feel like a room without a roof. Because I'm happy, clap along if you feel like happiness is the truth. Because I'm happy, clap along if you know what happiness is to you. Because I'm happy, clap along if you feel like that's what you want to do. I have no idea what any of that means. (laughs) Like, none. Like, happiness is a room without a roof? That, that feels like sadness. Because, like, a tornado just came through or you're going to get rained on. Like, how is that a good thing? Or a hot air balloon that goes to space? That's dangerous. <laughs> and I like that he's like, he gets the course. He's like, right, I'm going to talk about it. All right, happiness, if you feel like happiness is the truth. Okay, what is that? He's like, you know, just if happiness is, like, the truth, okay? Clap along if you know what happiness is to you. It's like, you've successfully not talked about happiness at all while using the word 800 times. It's so vague. It's hard to wrap your arms around. Another poet says it this way. He's got more of an idea, but even he knows like, I, you know, I don't know. He said, I ain't rich, but I want to be. Working like a dog all day ain't working for me. I wish I had a rich uncle that kicked the bucket. It's just super mean-spirited. <laughs> That's not cool. and and that I was sitting on a pile like Warren Buffett. I know everybody says money can't buy happiness, but it could buy me a boat. (laughs) It could buy me a truck to pull it. It could buy me a Yeti 110 iced down with some silver bullets. I don't even know what that stuff is. Like, what are we even talking about? But he goes on to say, yeah, I know what they say. Money can't buy everything. Well, maybe so. It could buy me a boat. Here's what he knows. He's like, happiness, he's not even saying happiness is a boat and a truck. He's saying, I know this isn't the same thing, but if you're giving out boats and trucks, I will take one. (laughs) We like happiness, but I'm not sure we even really can define that. But it's important, and, and I think we believe it's our right. When you think of, of, sort of some of the ideals our country was founded on in the Declaration of Independence, it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. That among the unalienable rights, the rights that we all have is the right to not be murdered, which, life, which is good, I'm all for that. The right to freedom, right, the freedom to be free, well, that's a good thing, like I'm all about that too. And the freedom to pursue happiness. So how do we do that? What does it look like for us to do that? As we continue our series on more, these myths about money, we're going to look at the second myth today, which is that more money would make me happy. If I had a little more money, I'd be happy. Jesus talks about this idea a lot, and he talks about it in Luke 12. Tells this story called a, a parable about a guy called the rich fool. He starts by saying, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. He s- tells him a story. He says, There's a rich guy who had a, a fertile farm that produced these great crops. And the guy said, What should I do? I mean, I don't have room for all my crops. So he goes, I know. I'll tear down my barns, I'll build bigger ones. And then I'll have enough, store, enough room to store all my weed and all this other stuff. And then I can sit back and relax and kick my feet up and say, My friend, because this guy talks in the third person, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, rest, relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God says to this guy, You fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Jesus ends this story by saying, Yes, a person is a fool to st- store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. He's not saying planning is bad, right? The guy's not wrong because he said, I need bigger barns, I'm gonna make bigger barns. The issue is is the heart. The issue is what he wanted. The issue is what he found his value and security. And the issue is he said, if I do this, then I can control my fate. If I do this, then I'm set up for life. Then I don't need God. Then I have met my own needs. And Jesus says, that's a problem. And he turns to talk to his disciples about this more, and he says, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or clothes to wear. For life is more than food, and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them, and you are far more valuable to God than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over big things? He points to these flowers and says, look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work. They don't make their clothing. And yet Solomon, this, this, king of, this old king of Israel, in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for these flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care about you. Why do you have so little faith? Don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things says, instead, seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. What do we do with that desire for more? What do we do with that? Well, we need to understand what it is, and we need to understand how it applies to, to this idea we're talking about today, that, that we want to be happy, and we think more money will do it, all right? So let me start with this. Num- number one, the first thing we're going to look at is more of the wrong thing leaves us empty. More of the wrong thing leaves us empty, right? We think we want to be happy, and we think we know how, but more of the wrong thing leaves us empty. More, just more of something doesn't mean it's better, right? More poison ivy isn't better, all right? More interruptions at night is not better for your sleep. More is not necessarily better. More gas station taquitos are not, that's not necessarily a better thing, right? That doesn't mean that, and and more is always bad, that it's like, well, I mean, what do I, so I can't have more of anything? Like, do you want more potatoes? No, Josh said more, can't have more, more is bad. No, that's not that. It's that this, we tend to think that more is better, that more is the key to happiness, but that's not always true. We believe that more will make us happy because what we're doing is equating our needs with our wants, right? We're We're substituting that. We equate joy with having our needs met the way we want them met in the way we think they should be met at the time we want them met. But there's a fundamental misunderstanding there because we're substituting the idea of want for the idea of need. And that often happens. As culture improves, as affluence spreads, as people are doing okay, we substitute the idea of want for need. We go, "I I need that, when what we really mean is want. Right? We don't need a bigger TV. We want a bigger TV, and that doesn't mean that's a wrong thing. It, it just means it's not a need. We'll say things like, well, I need a bigger house, or like, I need a bigger car, and we don't need those things. We like those things. We're about to have uh, another child, and so my car only, will only fit half of our kids, and that I don't, feels like I should probably be able to have more in there, but I don't, otherwise it's the, the other two have to stay somewhere and make a little hut, and then come back and get them. I don't know. But... I don't need a bigger car, I would like a bigger, I think that's maybe something we should think about, but I don't need it. But we substitute those ideas, and the problem is that that applies to then spiritual needs as well. We go, well, I don't spiritually need anything, it's what I spiritually want, and it's like, well, I don't want that, I don't want to change my life, I don't want to do anything different, I don't want to uh, adapt, I don't want to do what God says, We, 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 we change that to want instead of need. That's the default state of our heart, folks, is I want. When we wake up in the morning, that is the default setting for us, is I want. What meets my needs in the way that I want them met? What do, what do I want to feel happy? What do I want to feel joy? What do I want to feel meaning and purpose? At, at our best, we can fight against that, but that is the, that is the, the state of, of us. And so the Bible talks about is our sinful nature, is that we think about ourselves first. It's our default setting. We think we know best, and so we look to control. We seek what we want, and it becomes a simple math problem, really. It's me plus more equals happy. Me plus more. Me plus something new, something improved, something updated, this year's model, extra, what's next? Me plus more equals happy. That's how, that's how I see happiness, we do not truly understand ourselves, though. We don't truly understand ourselves. Because the Bible talks about it like this Money has never made man happy, nor will it. There is nothing in its nature to produce happiness. The more of it one has, the more one wants. That sounds good, right? It's like, I didn't know that was in the Bible. It's not. That's Ben Franklin, actually. Like this isn't even just a biblical idea. We get this culturally. Ben Franklin, who had a position of authority and influence and, and wealth, he understood that more is not enough. More is not our source of happiness. But the Bible talks about this too and talks about it a lot. In Luke 12, Jesus says, life is not measured by how much you own. You know who measures life by how much we own? We do. But Jesus is saying that's not the measure of your life. In fact, he goes on, for, he says in, in Luke 12:23, for life is, more, life is more than food and your body more than clothing. There is more to it than just the stuff we have. And frankly, I think we get that at a soul level that we don't want to acknowledge because if life is all about your stuff, if life is all about money, then when your bank goes under and your accounts are wiped clean, then life is over. Right? If life is all about stuff and you have a fire and all your stuff is gone, then life is over. It's not worth living anymore. Right? But that's not true. I mean, we'd understand at some level that doesn't mean that that's not incredibly painful or incredibly hard or incredibly difficult, but we know at some level that that's not the end of it, but yet we all too often functionally live like it's true. I studied in Israel my sophomore year of college and got to travel. I studied ancient history, and so I love this stuff. And one of my favorite things was getting to see these, these real things, like I just love traveling to these sites, that had, some that had been restored, some that haven't, I just love getting to see it. And one of the cool things, we got to go to the Valley of the Kings, which is where these Egyptian pharaohs were buried. And looters had gotten to most of these, and so they were just kind of the rooms. But in, uh, in the 20s, Howard Carter discovered King Tutankhamun, Pharaoh Tutankhamun's uh, funerary chambers And nobody had found it yet because another set of chambers was built on top of it. And when they found it, they found all this stuff, this incredible stuff, all this gold and and jewels. And uh, even like when you were, pharaohs were buried, even servants were buried. So if I'm a servant of a pharaoh, like I'm real invested in their health. You know, if you hear a cough, you're like, Are you okay? Do you need anything? But they were buried with all of this stuff. In fact, there's an eight pound funerary mask that, that he was buried with, just tons of wealth. And the idea was they were buried with this stuff because they would take it into the afterlife. Like this, this would be there to set them up in the future to have wealth and power and influence in, in the life to come. And what I find fascinating is the only reason we know that's true is because it's still here. He didn't take it with him. It's still here. We can't take our stuff with us. We can't take our money, our wealth with us. We can't take our influence with us. It stays here. And if life, if that's all it's about, then all we're doing is leaving things behind when we're gone. These two professors got together and wrote a book called Happy Money that really looks at the American attitude towards this stuff. And I love this quote. It says, this is the sad reality of the human experience. The more we're exposed to something, the more its impact diminishes. Knowing we have access to wonderful things undermines our happiness by reducing our tendency to appreciate life's small joys. You know what that's saying? When we pursue more, when we invest our lives in more, we are less and less able to appreciate what we have it's never enough. It always leaves us wanting. It is, it is a, a bottomless pit. It's something we can never really fill because there's always something else, right? There's always something else to collect. There's always something else to gather. There's always more money to make. There's always another promotion to get. There's always another job to get. There's always a bigger house to have. There's always a newer car. There's always something else. Let me show you what I mean. Let me, let me give you a picture of this idea. Think of something that you, you like, something that you enjoy, right? Something that, that you appreciate. Like maybe it's uh, snow globes. You're a big fan of snow globes, right? So you're like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to co- start collecting some snow globes. And so you get a couple, and you're like, oh, that's a nice one, because there's that, that Santa Claus waves. That's incredible. And, oh, an, I like that one, too, because that one says Columbus. And I live in Columbus. That's crazy. And we keep collecting snow globes. Well, how many snow globes is enough? Like wh- when, when is that amount enough? When, when do we stop with that? Or maybe it's a car, right? You get a nice car and you've always wanted one. And so you get a nice car and you want one with GPS. But then, oh man, next year's model comes out and it's got leather and it's got GPS in it. And I really want GPS. Or, oh, it's got that new self-parking feature. And I don't even know how to use it, but it looks incredible because I just want to tell people that I have it. You know, Or maybe, I don't know, maybe you just moved to the area and you have some friends that are really into building things and so they kind of get you into it. And so you start to buy power tools and you buy... An impact driver, and you buy a cordless drill because you need those things, and then you also have to buy a reciprocating saw, even though you don't know what that does, because you need a reciprocating saw, and then you need a circular saw, but then you can't cut bigger pieces of wood, and so you got to get a a, a co- compound miter saw because that's how you cut bigger stuff. But but that's not enough because then you start to go, well, well, I need a sliding compound miter saw because then I can't cut wood that's over eight inches, and and I need I need some more clamps because clamps make everything possible. I mean, that, there's got to be more, okay? All right, so more we need clamps, and now I need some more some chisels because chisel like. How else am I going to cut wood? I mean, I got, I got to choose. I need more tools and I need 18 different sizes of screw because for some reason screws come in 18 different sizes and I have to get all this different stuff. When is it enough? When's it enough? At what point will this be full? And the answer is never. It's a bottomless pit. The desire for more is a bottomless pit that will never be filled. We will never get enough of what we want because there will always be more. How much success, how much power, how much influence will be enough? How much love, how much friendship, how much affirmation will be enough? How much stuff, how much money will be enough? More doesn't make us happy. More money in particular doesn't make us happy because it's more of the wrong thing. But the second thing is that more of the right thing makes us whole. It makes us whole. We have this need and we try and fill it with stuff, but it will never be enough. But God knows us because he created us and he knows what we need. And he knows what fills that longing. He knows what, what we're searching for. God knows the way we work best. And, and, and he wants to meet those needs. If only we would let him. He knows what fills us up and what fills up our soul. Luke 12, 31 says it like this. Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. Not some of the things, everything you need. But what's important about that verse, if you look at it, what's important about that truth is everything you need, not everything you want, We confuse that truth, but but God does not. God knows what we need. God knows what our soul longs for. And we see that idea built out more in 1 Timothy 6, where he says, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth, right? Contentment is, is great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. The point that he's saying is, how do I find joy? How do I find meaning? How do I find value in the things I have? Because when I'm consumed with more than what I have is never enough. It's never enough. Contentment, though, is saying, how do I enjoy what I have? How am I thankful for what I have? How am I grateful for what I have? Being consumed by more says nothing is good enough, but contentment is saying I am grateful for what God has given me. I can experience that and enjoy that and find happiness in that. John 10, Jesus sums it up, I think, just beautifully in John 10, 10. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. There is a perception sometimes that God is ruining our fun, that like, man, life would be great if God didn't make me do stuff. And it's like God is just this, this cosmic bully that, that wants me to obey him because he somehow enjoys that stuff. And it's like, that's crazy. I mean, I, can, I think we're projecting onto God our heart because for us, we'd go, if I could have people that did whatever I want all the time, if we're honest, we're like, that sounds kind of awesome. You know, it's, you're not, it's not like you're saying like I would be a dictator, but you're like, oh, listen, I can understand the appeal even though it's horribly wrong. That's not God, though. That's us projecting onto God. God doesn't want to limit our life. God doesn't want to say, I want you to have less. God says, I want you to have so much more than you can imagine. You settle for less. I came that they may have life and have it to the full. Have it in abundance, richer than we can imagine. We settle for less. More of Jesus makes us whole. Our desire for more leaves us feeling anxious, right? It makes us worry. We're setting our hearts on the wrong things. It's like, how how do I make sure, how do I know what tomorrow will be? How do I make sure I have enough? How do I care for my own needs? But But more of Jesus says, I am able to trust that you have met my needs perfectly, that you love me more than I could possibly love myself, that you care about me, that you are invested in me. More of the right thing makes us whole. More of Jesus makes us whole. And there's a reason for that. Because we have this emptiness in us that we want to fill and we cannot find that answer on our own. But God has moved towards us to provide that answer through a son. That God has graciously given us what we don't deserve. And that when we live our life focused on ourselves, we miss out on the fullness that we were created to know. But when we live our life focused on him, and really when we live our life to give it away, we experience a richness that we didn't know before. Those same authors from before said this, in a study of more than 600 Americans, personal spending accounted for the lion's share of most people's budget. But the amount of money individuals devoted to themselves was unrelated to their overall happiness. You see that? The amount of money... That individuals devoted to themselves was unrelated to their overall happiness. What did predict happiness? The amount of money they gave away. The more they invested in others, the happier they were. It's a powerful truth. And I think that resonates because that's what God has modeled for us, that God gave of himself that we might give of ourselves as well. Think about it like this. Think about a time when you gave of yourself. Think about a time when you gave to others, whether it was it was your time or your energy or your money. Think when you gave of yourself. Do you regret those moments? You know the moments I regret? When I thought about myself first. The moments where I said, I don't, I'm gonna do what I want first, I'm gonna meet my needs first. Think about it as a parent and your kids come and they want to read Molly Lou Mellon for the 17th time and you don't want to read it because it's not that good. It's not that's, Guys, maybe, like, I'll give you three or four times, but this is not a 17 times book. Like, it's not that good. And you, and you don't do it. You're like, I don't feel like doing it. I don't want to read that. I'm not willing to give of myself in this way. I don't want to do it, so I'm not going to. Does that resonate with any of you? Or maybe you're married. Think about it in terms of your spouse. And you come home tired and you're worn out, and your spouse wants to talk, and you're like, I just don't know how much I have left, and they want to talk about their, their sister's college roommate had a little girl, and you don't really care, and you're like, I don't care. I want to care, but I don't care. And you, then you feel bad. They're like, man, I couldn't have said that any other way. Like, what, what a, I sound like such a jerk. And no, that didn't happen this week. Why do you ask? <laughs> Leave me alone. You ever regret giving of yourself? I don't think we do. We need more, but not the more we think we need. We need more of God. We need more of his presence, more of his grace, more of his love, more of his forgiveness, more of his kindness, more of his blessing. We need that more. Not the more that we think we need. We need more of him. And experiencing God those ways requires more of us. It requires more joy and more obedience and more faith and more trust. But that all starts with more surrender with saying, God, you know better than I do. You know better than I do. I've spent my life pursuing more and it has left me empty. I want more of you. Now listen, there's a difference between guilt and conviction, okay? I'm not here to make you feel guilty. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. That's not my goal. I do hope, though, that truth will convict you and speak to you the same way that it does to me. And that together we would experience the life we were created to know and, and experience the joy and contentment we are really searching for. I'm not here to make you feel guilty. I'm here to go, I am in the same boat and when I come up wanting, it is because I have said, I'm gonna pursue what I want and I want more. Instead of saying, God, what do you want from me? How do I experience more of you? How do I live life the way I was created to know? So how do we do this stuff? Well, I wanna leave you with three things three simple things to think about this week. These aren't nice little tidy sound bites that you can go home and check, but they're big things to be thinking about and, and, and praying through and asking each other about and talking with your friends and, and lean into this stuff because I need to, to do it as well. The first is know Jesus as the source of contentment. Know Jesus as the source of contentment. Happiness, peace, contentment, that satisfaction at a soul level, that's what we were created to know. If we want to move away from being slave to the the disease of more, then this is how we start. Know Jesus as the source of contentment. And how do we rest in and be grateful for what we have been given? It involves taking a hard look at yourself, and that's not fun. But it does help answer the questions that, that are rumbling around in our soul. Second thing is live today focused on forever. Live today focused on forever. And what that means is this. We know, because it says in Luke 12, 31, that when we seek first the kingdom of God, he will give us everything we need. That that is true. And I can live today like that will be true. I can live today like I know that's a reality. I can trust him in ways that that is hard for me to do. I don't have to be consumed by more because I can say you are more than enough. I can live with that truth in mind. I can walk through whatever moment I am walking through in life and know in the here and now that forever is taken care of. There's great confidence in that. There's great hope in that. We can live today focused on forever. And the last thing is this, give your life away. Give it away. Happiness is found when we do that, when we give our life away, because that is what has been modeled for us. What can you give of yourself this week? What can you give to someone else? What can you give to God? How can you say, God, I want to give you my life? Now, God doesn't want a piece of it. God doesn't want the part that you you find convenient. God wants all of you because it's only in that moment when we surrender all of us that he can take away those broken parts of us and give us something new. God wants all of us because it's only in that moment can we experience the transformation and the hope and the renewal that we desperately long for. He gives us a new self in those moments, a new heart. We don't have to fight against that disease of more, because he will change us from the inside out. It doesn't mean that fight is ever fully won this side of heaven, but it does mean he has won and we can live in that freedom piece by piece by piece. Give your life away. This really challenges me a lot. Because it is easy for us to be consumed with and fixated on our wants, We want more. It's different for all of us, but we want more. The answer to that more is Jesus. God says, You want more? You know, the more that will fully answer your questions, that will satisfy your soul, it's more of me.